Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Return and Rebuild as he speaks on how the enemy tries to make us quit, but through Christ, we are more than a conqueror. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. We are aware that there are some audio issues in this episode, and we appreciate your understanding. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. How's everybody doing? We good? All right. What does it take to make you quit is what we're going to be talking about today. We're in our sermon series entitled Return and Rebuild, all right? And we've been looking at these Israelites that God is bringing out of captivity, a time spent some 70 years in captivity because of sin, because they had turned away from God. Now God is bringing them back to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And we've always said, they're not just bringing them back to build a building. That's not what this is about. They're bringing them back to rebuild their faith and their walk with him. And so we're seeing this return of God's people to him. And we've seen how in chapter 3 where they've restored this uh, proper worship. They put worship in its place first and rebuilt the altar. And then they've uh, moved towards spiritual responsibility and accountability. They've retaken on that role. And then last week we saw where they've uh, reinstated praise in their time. Welcome to Impact Church, the only place that uh, the roof moves and you're still safe. All right? So we're good. It's going to flap and flop. Just go with it. All right? So, but God here in chapter 4 is going to show us something. Because here we are, God's people coming back, and they're going to meet some resistance. So the title of our message today, and really in a little mini-series, if you will, within a series for probably uh, including this week, three weeks, that we're going to go through the second verse of chapter 5 in, is entitled, What Does It Take to Make You Quit? What would it take to make you quit? Think about that. Think about your job. Think about your marriage. Think about your ball team. Think about your life, your faith. What would it take to make you quit? And I hope when you look at the answer of your faith and your purpose in Christ and what God has called you to walk in, I hope it's a very different answer than just what it would take for you to quit your ball team. Because it's a little more serious than just the temporal things of this world. So as far as your faith and as far as what God's called you to do and who God's called you to be in your home, in your work, in school, what would it take to make you quit? What would it take to make you be quiet? And not say anything anymore. And not complete the mission that the Lord wants you to take on in your life. What would it take? See, I don't have to tell you that there's a a cancer plaguing our society called quitting. People quit on everything these days. Soon as something gets just a little tough, a little hard, face a little adversity, things don't go like they planned, I'm walking away. And unfortunately, we even see that so many times in marriage. It's, it's like a contract. It's like if the other person doesn't do their part where I'm not obligated to do mine, I'm gone, baby. 
when God instituted marriage to be a covenant relationship. We don't treat each other dependent on how we're treated. We treat each other independent of how we're treated because we're there to honor Christ in the relationship. That's the marriage covenant. And it's, it is this way in so many things. And I want to tell you this. This is this overwhelming theme through the next three weeks. God is not a quitter. Jesus never quit. So if we have the same spirit of God in us, should we be a quitter? I don't know about you, but when I was just searching over this message this week and studying and even the past few days, man, I got hit hard because there's so many times that I have a bad attitude that I just want to quit. I want to give up. I'm thinking, man, what's this for? In so many areas of life, and, and, and God just, man, just perfect timing. Boom, here's a message for you, Brad. And I believe it's not just for me the next three weeks. I believe it's for a lot of you as well. Don't you love how God's word is always right on time? He always puts something right in our path in a message that meets us with what we're facing right now at this moment. That's the beautiful thing when you expositionally preach and you get a message like that. That's Jesus. He's right on time, baby. He ain't playing around. He knows what we're dealing with. He knows what's coming. And he puts the word right there in front of us. So here it is right now. Because I believe there's some people in here today that you're about ready to quit. That you're about ready to give up on something. You're about ready to give up on your faith. You're about ready to give up on your marriage. You're about get, re- get ready to give up on your kids. You're about ready to give up on all hope for this life. And God wants to wake you up with a message today. And saying, don't quit. Yes, I know it's hard. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, there's resistance. But God wants to strengthen us for where we're at and move us forward through these difficult times for his glory. So we're going to see as we move through this passage here today and in the next couple weeks that these Israelites are going to face some opposition. And I don't know if you've realized this or not because I've realized it in my life. And, and, and I know my walk with, with Christ and, and what he's doing and what the enemy wants to attack Maybe a little different, but it's got the same theme in your life. And that theme's this. Anytime you look to make a change in your life, anytime you step out to to try to make a stand for Jesus, come back to him, you meet opposition. Almost immediately. It may even happen the, the same month, the same week. It may happen the same day. You ever just get rejuvenated from something in the Lord? Man, maybe it's through a, through a message or a, or a song or Lord speaking something to you. And man, you just go home and you're ready to share. And then, man, you, you walk in the door to World War III. The kids are fighting. Everybody's screaming. And, and it just, you just lose everything that the Lord had just filled you up with. You ever been there? Yeah. That's the enemy. He doesn't want you filled with the Spirit. He doesn't want you happy and joyful and filled with love and hope so that it spews out of your mouth and out of your life. He wants you sour, bitter, depressed, anxious. Because then he can shut you up. Because then you're not effective as a witness in your testimony. And then it stops you from even having the desire to do it again. Because the more he can discourage you, the more he can stop you, the more you want to quit. The more I want to quit. It's our flesh. It's our humanity that wants to quit. That's why Christ inside of us leads us a new direction. When's it easiest to stop a train? Those of you physics majors. 
before it gets going, baby. The enemy knows that too. He ain't going to wait for you to get momentum. He ain't going to wait for Christ to be filled in you and you to be sanctified and, and filled with the Spirit with no resistance. He's going to stop you before you even get off the ground. You can stop a train with a rock about that big. You wedge it right in front of that wheel. Put it in neutral. It ain't going anywhere. He's not going to let it gain momentum rolling down the hill because then he takes a bunch of boulders to stop it. Guys, that's what Satan wants to do with us. So be ready. Be ready when you step out into something new for Christ. Be ready when you step out in your walk. Be ready to meet resistance. And that should not scare you away. That should prepare you for strength for the journey God has you on. So many times we get the opposite picture. And some of the fault is this hyper-grace kind of prosperity gospel preaching that's sweeping across our nation and our world today, thinking, telling people everything should be great and hunky-dory and go well if you're in Christ. When the Bible says opposite, you're going to meet resistance. And so if you and I are not prepared mentally, and we haven't resolved in our heart, remember that with Daniel, when we talked about Daniel had resolved in his heart not to defile the Lord? If you don't resolve in your heart before adversity hits, you will fail. You will struggle. You need to resolve in your heart that when it does hit, that you're going to charge through, that you're not going to quit. We can only do that in Christ. Opposition and adversity is ex expected in athletics, isn't it? I mean, nobody shows up at the field or the court and says, man, I hope the other team doesn't show up. Because then it wouldn't be a game. Then you wouldn't have anything to do. And I'm not saying that this is a game and we're just looking for something to do. Please don't get me wrong. But we expect challenge. We expect opposition in simple things in life. Why wouldn't we expect opposition in the most important thing in life? From an enemy that wants to destroy and deceive and push us back and push us down. The enemy doesn't want you to take another step. He doesn't even want you to get off the ground spiritually because he wants to defeat you, destroy you, and devour you. He's not just a little red devil with a forked tail and a pitchfork. Running around just trying to flatten your tire and make you have a bad day. That's not what he's after. He wants to tear you down, defeat you, depress you, get you to live in fear, anxiety, depression. He wants to get that to get to your family and then so he can affect everyone around you. So today we're going to see rebuilding in Christ brings opposition, brings it from others. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle, but unfortunately other people allow their hearts and tongues to be used by an enemy and bring that spiritual battle to earth. We're going to see that today. We're going to see that we experience opposition not just from other people, old friends. We experience opposition in our own flesh, our own discouragement and fear and our feelings. We experience opposition from an enemy who doesn't want to see God's plan go forth in your life. So we're going to see this part of his game plan today and we're going to see that Christ wants us to overcome it and to keep charging forward so the answer to the question today at the beginning of what does it take to make you quit shouldn't look the same at the end when we go through God's word let me pray for us before we dive in dear Lord we love you father we thank you for Jesus and Lord we lift 
your name high right now. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need your presence. We need your spirit, Father, to fall upon us, to teach us, to give us that rhema word, that application word to our life here today. Lord, because there's so much going on in life, Lord, that is applicable to these five verses we're going to look at today. Because we're being deceived. We're being discouraged. We're being troubled. People are frustrating the cause of Christ, both in our lives as individuals and collectively as a body. So, Lord, I pray against all the schemes of the enemy that wants to make people quit today. And Lord, whatever that looks like in each individual's life, Father, would you speak and move so that nobody quits on what you have for them? And Lord, that if there's anybody here who's even been lied to the extreme and they're thinking about quitting on their own life just to get rid of their pain, Father, would you move and speak today? Would your words bring life and hope and restore them to know that it's no surprise to you that there's an enemy who's fed this lie and defeat into them. But you've come to set them free. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak and move like only you can do amongst your people, in our hearts and lives, and in this church as we charge forward in the path that you've set before us because we're determined to never quit. Through your strength and only for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, so we're in Ezra chapter 4. Today we're going to read the first five verses. And this whole chapter 4 is speaking directly toward the opposition, the adversity that these Israelites are going to face as they start rebuilding the temple. So let's pick this up. Chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 today, get the first few points of opposition. Next week, we're going to get the rest of the chapter with the rest of the points of opposition. The following week, tie this up with how they responded and what happened to get them back on track in the beginning of chapter 5. So here we go. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So right there, we know we've just completed chapter 3 and everything that we've seen and these people's return to their walk with God and, and restoring worship, restoring the altar, 
responsibility, accountability, praise in his proper place, even though some still had a wrong heart. Remember that last week? But many had the right heart, and they were moving forward. So we've seen this rebuilding, this restoration, this return. But immediately, just like we've talked about a second ago, as soon as chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 4, what we get? Opposition. Stop the train before it gets going, right? The foundation's been laid. The building's not up. People aren't worshiping there. Hey, enemy gonna come in. I wanna stop this right now before it gets going. That's his plan. That's his plan in your heart and our life. So we need to receive that message and have this glaringly jump off the page at us. What are you trying to recover from right now in your life to get your life and your heart bright with God and back on track? What is that? You will meet opposition to that. Go ahead and resolve in your heart and mind that you will face it and resolve right now that you will defeat it and keep going, that you will not turn back. All right? So let's look at this. We see, how do we know that there's opposition here? Well, obviously, it gets pretty evident in verses 4 and 5, but there's really nothing evident in the first three verses other than, don't you love the Word of God, because God knows people's what? Heart and motives. So what does it say in verse 1? Who were these people? They were adversaries of Judah and Benjamin. So you just got a word right there for their motives. But, but did they come right off in the first three verses there and look like they were adversaries? No. They looked like they were wanting to be friends with them. They looked like they were on their side. Hey, man, we worship the same God you do. Just like you, we boys, man. Come on, chest bump. <laughs> but God had told them differently. Spiritual discernment obviously had fell upon Zerubbabel and these men of God because what had they been doing? They had been praying. They had been fasting. Daniel had been praying and fasting for these people. Remember, they had been looking for God to move and speak. So, so these men were spoken to, obviously, by the Lord. So they knew these people's heart, even though they came as a masquerade, looking like something that they weren't. Who does that sound like to you? Satan. Yeah. Master deceiver. Comes in disguise, masquerades, the Bible says, as an angel of light. Looks like everything he wants for you is, is good. It's not going to hurt you. and It's actually going to make you happy and, and, and give you fulfillment in life. But then it destroys and deceives and tears down. So we see these adversaries, this opposition come to the beginning. And the Lord knew their motives and obviously spoke to his leaders and his people about this. So therefore we know that when he, when he said, no, you're not going to help us at all, that it wasn't them being arrogant or cocky and saying, nah, we got this, man. Y'all, nah, we got this. It wasn't that. Spiritual discernment has said, these people are here not to help you, but to see you fail. How about you? How about me? How many times in our life have we truly got on our knees and fasted and prayed, Lord, only bring the people into my life, into my kids' life, into this ministry that have the right motives. And if somebody doesn't have the right motives, please shine the light on that and either remove that motive from their heart or remove them from my life. That's a fair prayer. Can I tell you that? That is fair. Lord, either remove that motive from their heart. You're praying for their heart first. But if, if they're not going to get their heart right and that motive's not going to be removed, then Lord, remove them from my life. I don't need it. That's exactly the word that's right here. Hey, we don't need you. We don't want you. 
Not because of you, but because of your heart. See that? Beautiful, beautiful lesson right there. They were fronted with this game that these people wanted to play up front. And remember where we're at here. So these people have come back to Jerusalem, but remember some of the Israelites were left. Remember maybe the ones that weren't well-versed or educated or athletic or handsome or could play music or whatever the case may be, they left some back. So what would happen is once the rest of the Israelites had gone to Babylon, surrounding area people had come in, outsiders, Assyrians, Samaritans, Egyptians, all these kind of people had come into Jerusalem now. And with some of the women that were there, some of these leftover Hebrew Israelite women, they had married them. They'd formed families. So what they had done is brought in outside customs, worshiping idols, lowercase g gods, brought this in, intermixed it with the Hebrew people, and had this new version of the faith where we can have your God and ours too. Does that sound familiar? You can have your sin in Jesus too. How much is that kind of preached in our culture today? Maybe not outward like that, but very subtly. That somehow our, our sin is accepted. And it's okay that we can worship ourselves. We can hedonism, worship our flesh and our own pleasure. And we can have that in Jesus too. And see, there was this movement, this false gospel movement here in these people because of that. And so God had enlightened his leadership that these were not people that were going to lead them the right way. That they actually didn't want to see things done the right way. And we're going to find that out because once there was resistance and they said, no, we don't need your help, it wasn't, I'm going to come back next week and see if you need my help next week. I'm going to come back next month. It was immediate, okay, I'm going to get at you with what I really came to do, and that's stop you. So there's opposition. These people that were already in Jerusalem were not happy to see the Israelites coming back, especially with the heart for God that they had. So we see that there was resistance to God's advancement in people's life as individuals and God's advancement in the culture. You can write that down if you're taking notes. Because there will always be resistance from an enemy in a godless culture to God's advancement in your life and in the culture as God wants to move through you. All right? Every single time. So what were the tactics? Let's look at them real quick. They're really obvious. They start jumping off the page here in, uh, as we see. So the first one, we really got through God telling us the motives of these people because the first tactic we've already talked about is deception. That's the first tactic the enemy will use to defeat you and me is deception. Coming in, I want to be your friend. I'm here to help. We talked about Satan, the master deceiver. Isn't that how he showed up in the garden to Adam and Eve with deception? Deception as, because remember at this time where, where the enemy approached Adam and Eve in the garden, was there sin yet? No, everything was cool. There wasn't anything bad except that one tree, right? The Lord just told us to eat there, not to eat from it. But everything else was good, all the, all, everything else, the, the animals, everything that God had created. So when they see this serpent come up, they're like, oh, look, a serpent. That's cool. It ain't like today where we're like, ah, snake. It won't that. This thing wasn't danger to them at this time, right? So it was like, cool. You see how the enemy wants to come in and disguise as something that looks like it's okay, something that even God 
is okay with, but it's coming to destroy. And that's what the enemy always does. And we see what he did. He started with deception, with masquerade, and gave lies, and cast doubt through deception, right? Made them doubt God's word, where they started to think, well, God said this, but did he, did he really mean that? How about you? In what ways is Satan using the culture, other people, even people with theological degrees, to make you doubt what you were originally taught the word of God says? As if somehow there's some new revelation from God's word that we just know today that we didn't know 100 years ago. Did people get smarter? Did people's heart get more immoral and deceived wanting to change God's word? Yeah. Yeah. God's word's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word means what it's always meant. It does. Don't let people try to change it because, wow, they're really smart, educated, because they may be deceived in their heart themselves trying to justify sin that they want to live out. And so they're trying to get as many people as they can to support them in it. It's a scary thought, but it's very true. Deception. Jesus, even we talked about it uh, over the past few weeks. We don't need to beat it out a whole lot, but in Matthew 24, Jesus' words to disciples when they said, Lord, how will we know that the end times are coming? First words out of Jesus' mouth, be careful that no one deceives you. Religious deception. That's it. Here we are. We're living in it. So church, be careful no one deceives you. Always go back to the word of God. And that's a beautiful message for all of us. So we don't get turned astray by false teaching. So these people come offered friendship, but they were going to turn because they were coming in a deceptive spirit. And then we know that they said no, but I want you to notice that after they resist, did the attack stop or did they keep coming? Well, there's a rest of chapter four, so that's, a, that's an easy answer. Shout them out when you know them. Yes, there's more attacks. It kept coming. It wasn't just as easy as I, I resisted that one time. Whoo, man, good thing. No, it's going to keep coming. It's going to get harder, actually. And that's the message for us today. As my kids were, were growing up and, and they were younger, there was this cartoon on called Door of the Explorer. Some of you may be familiar with that. I don't know. But there was this little fox on there called Swiper, right? And, and Swiper would like to come steal their stuff, okay? And, and he would sneak up on them and all that kind of stuff. And if they saw him coming, if they could say Swiper no swipe, swiping, if they could say Swiper no swiping three times before he grabbed their gear, then he would go away and say, oh, man. And the attack was done. Some of y'all obviously know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what is that dude talking about? Just go with it, all right? It's okay. But anyway, the attack doesn't stop that easy. It's not just some happy-go-lucky, one-time occurrence. I resisted, and I'm good to go. No, you're not. Because we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms that want to take you out. So they resisted and said no, but here it comes time and time again. So verse 4. First thing we see in our passage 
that they get hit with. It says, then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. So after deception, we see these people got hit with discouragement. Ladies and gentlemen, the enemy will try to try to discourage you in any way, shape, or form he can. He will. And he's good at it. If we look at this word for discouragement, if you look in a different translation, it'll actually use the word weakened. So it's the Greek word for weakened. Weakened their grip on something. Once you think about something, if I had something that was heavy, all right, now that we've got a picture of discouragement, we're talking about trying to weaken you. If I, if I was holding something, what would it take to make me lose grip and drop it? A couple things. Add to the weight, right? You keep making it heavier and heavier and heavier, and eventually I lose my grip. That's one way Satan's going to come at you. He's going to throw the weight of the world on you all at once. And he's going to want to make you lose your grip. Another way we can lose our grip, even within the same weight that we have, is I just get worn out. I'm just carrying this weight so long that eventually I lose my grip. Why do you think Jesus said to cast your burdens on him? It's so you wouldn't lose grip of the faith and of the walk because he knew how challenging life is by itself. And then on top of that, he knows how an enemy wants to come and throw extra weight on you and to make you just carry it all in your own strength so that eventually you just lose grip and you drop what you're holding on to. God says, hey, cast that on me. So maybe there's a message for you today when you see what discouragement is. You've got to cast your burdens on the Lord. You can't carry them on your own. Any type of discouragement that the enemy wants to bring at you, would you just throw that on Christ? Because if you try to hold on to it and fight through it in your own strength, you're going to lose your grip. The enemy wants to weaken it. And it happens as soon as we make a commitment, as soon as we grasp hold of the faith, right? The enemy wants to weaken that grip to make us lose our influence for Christ. Third thing we see in verse 4 is the Bible says here that they began to trouble him. Look at this. So after they discouraged, said, after they discouraged the people of Judah, it says they troubled them in building. Again, you look at this word trouble, you look at other translations, it says that they got filled with fear. They became afraid. How many times has the enemy used fear to make you stop what God wants to do in your life? You're not supposed to pray in school. That's the rule. Can't carry your Bible. Really? Fear. You're in trouble. Will you? Now, believe me, I'm not sitting here promoting anarchy and rebellion. But are we going to honor God or are we not? I mean, I want you to think about that. And Jim Scott's even stood up here and said through the FCA that 
You can pray at your lunch table over your lunch, and you can carry your Bible. And if somebody in the school tells you you can't, go see him. So there's your resource. Yes, you can pray over your lunch. Yes, you can. Honor God. Satan wants to put fear in us, though. Don't go to church. There's a pandemic going on. Fear. Fear. And it's pushed through everything in our society to make us what? Retreat. To pull back. To take a little break from what God really wants us to do. 2 Timothy chapter 1-7 couldn't be more clear. For God did not give us a spirit of what, church? Fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. So any spirit of fear that you and I have, who did that come from? Not from God. Either come from man or an enemy or our own flesh. Okay? God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Self-control. That's what God wants us to have. So in this war that we have with an enemy that wants to discourage us and make us lose faith and wants to deceive us, we know that we're either going to have to, in times where we're faced with this, we're either going to have to face it with two things. There's really two choices. You're either going to have courage to stand or you're going to retreat and fall back, and that's cowardice. And I hate to put it that way, but it's either you're going to stand in courage for the faith or we're going to retreat and fall back as a coward. You will see that more and more as religious persecution falls upon our world. You will see that. You will see some people stand in courage. You will see many retreat and fall back. Thessalonians alludes to that. The end times are going to be a great falling away. The Bible says that at the end times that the love of many will grow cold, Right? That we're going to see people retreat and fall back. We've already seen that in our society. We've seen people not make a stand for Christ publicly when asked a question about what God's word says about certain issues, hot button topics in our society. We've seen pastors of churches buckle and fold to please the culture. That's a coward. It's a coward. Plain and simple. I'm sorry. If you can't stand for God... In public, what did Jesus say? If you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. What's the second part of that? If you disown me before men, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. Hey, guys, that's not my word. That's not my opinion. That's in your Bible. That's a coward that doesn't stand in courage. That doesn't mean there's not grace for redemption. Ask Peter. He denied Christ three times, didn't he? Was he restored with a repentant heart? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we see the redemption and the chance for for revival and repentance. But if that doesn't happen and you continue in this path of cowardice and not making a stand, oh, that's a scary place to be. That's a scary place to be. So we know that when we focus on a threat, that we're going to experience fear, doubt, and want to retreat. When we focus on the threat, we're going to experience fear, doubt, and want to retreat. But when we focused on Christ and his promises, we experience faith, courage, and advancement. 
three opposites right there, aren't there? Faith, courage, and advancement when we focus on Christ and his word. Fourth thing that the enemy come through these people at the Israelites with here that we see in verse 5 as we look in, in our passage. So once you get to verse 5 and it says, they troubled them in building and it says, and they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, and even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Frustration. So we got deception, right? Then we've got discouragement. Then we've got fear and trouble. And then frustration. They hired people to come against them. I want you to think about that. We're coming at you full force. If we can't do it because we deceive you, then if we can't discourage you and make you live in fear, then we're going to hire people to come too. We're going to make you live in frustration and fear over this. Guys, what happens when you and I get frustrated, when we get irritated? We start to get irritated at the people around us too, don't we? You ever been there? When you just get, you're internally, you're just frustrated and irritable, and you just lash out at somebody who has nothing to do with anything that you're going through? You ever been there? Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe y'all are more spiritual than me. Y'all don't do that stuff, right? But we do, man. That's what we do. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated, and I'm going to bark at somebody. And guys, that's what they wanted them to do, because then it caused disunity in the body and and, and pushing forward in the cause that, that, that God wants us to walk through in. So this frustration was going to unravel everything God was doing individually and collectively in them. But when we look at all this and we see this as a whole, we see this trouble, we see this, this problems that the Israelites are faced, we need to be reminded of John 16, verse 33, Jesus' words. He basically said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Is there a promise in that right there? That whatever we face, yeah, it may discourage us. Yeah, because we're human. I'm going to get discouraged, aren't you? I, I, I'm going I'm to get maybe a little fear and anxious sometimes, aren't you? Yeah, rightly so. Especially when we don't understand things and we don't know the future. That, that's natural human reaction. But we can't live that out and continue in that. I'm going to get frustrated at times. But I need to throw this burden back on Christ and know that, hey, in this world, I'm going to experience this trouble, but I have a Savior who has overcome all of it. And that's our promise. So all this together, Satan is using to take our focus off of Christ, off of the mission, off of what he wants to do in our life and in the life of others. He wants to divide our attention, divide our connections, and he wants to slow our heart's progress and prevent us from moving forward in Christ. So that everything then looks different of how we perceived it to be. Hey guys, think about this. Unmet expectations give what in our heart as humans? All of this, frustration, discouragement. I'm upset. Now I have fear, anxiety because I don't know What's going to happen because I envisioned my life looking like this, but now it really looks like this. These Israelites were there. They envisioned the process of going smooth, and the Lord said, come rebuild. Why, Lord, are you allowing these people to come against us like this? 
You ever cried that out in your own life? I have. Like, God, I'm serving you. I'm, I'm, I'm living for you as best I can. No, I'm not perfect. I'm trying to do everything in your ways. My heart's pure before you. You know my heart. You search my ways. Why are you allowing this to happen so many times to resist and make this hard and make this impossible? I'm trying to do your work. You ever been there? I'm sure they were. But is there a lesson in this? Yeah. Is God going to prove faithful still, even with the opposition and the temple get built? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So is God going to complete what he finishes in you? And then what Paul told the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 6, verse 6, said he is going to finish what he started. He who began a good work in you is going to carry it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. There's another promise for you. No matter the opposition, if God's in it, you're going to win it. Do you trust and know that? It's not going to be easy, though. So, verse 5, after we get that, yeah, they, they want to frustrate them and bring us in. How long is this going to happen? End of verse 5. This happened all the days of Cyrus until Darius. What does that mean? Nonstop, baby. Just I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you for years. Hey, can we get a message, church? Satan is coming at us for years. For years. So what should we do? Ephesians 6. Prepare to stand. How? Put on the full armor of God. That's right. Be ready for the opposition. Be ready for the resistance. Resolve in your heart and mind right now. You will not stop. You will not be defeated by an enemy who is going to come at you with all this, just like you did them. That's what we need to do. Jesus told Peter in the Gospels, hey, before he, was, before he told him he was going to deny him, he said, Satan has asked to sift all of you like wheat. Oh, really? What is he saying there? Get ready. Get your armor on. This isn't going to be easy. You're going to be attacked. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to have deception. You're going to have discouragement. You're going to have fear and anxiety. You're going to have frustration. Eventually, as we go through the rest of chapter 4, you're going to have false accusations made against you, right? We're going to get there. Ever been there before? You're going to have even people come and try to bully you with power and authority to stop doing what God wants to do in your life and through the church. It's coming. Satan wants to sift you and I like wheat, It's not going to be easy. We can't overcome this type of discouragement and resistance on our own. Only Jesus can through us. So there's our promise and there's our hope. We don't, we're not here to take this in our own strength. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't have the strength to fight. I just feel like some kind of rag kicked over in the corner just it's getting stepped on and squished. You ever felt like that? 
I don't have strength on my own. I like, you're like, Brad, what do you mean you don't have strength? You look like you're pretty big dude. You're hanging out. Uh-uh. I got a heart of flesh just like you do. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy sometimes to feel like you don't have the strength to go on when all this comes at you for years from Cyrus to Darius. From Cyrus to Darius. From Cyrus to Darius. From Cyrus to Darius. And it just don't stop. Lord, when's it going to stop? You ever been there? I'm just getting real with you. What you going to do when that day comes? Are you going to buckle and quit? Or are you going to put on some armor and keep fighting? Are you going to resolve in your heart that when that day comes, that you're not going to stop? I love Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. It says, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, oh, Jacob, speaking to these Israelites right here. He says, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, there's a word, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame Scorch you. Is there another promise for God's people in that? You bet. Did it say everything's going to be easy right there? Mm Mm-mm. But who's going to be with you? The one who created you. The one who set you on this path and knows your days before they were even lived out. Why would we run from that? Why would we quit on that? He already knows what you're going to walk through when you were born. Trust him. Trust him for the unknown. In the absence of clarity is an invitation to intimacy with Jesus. It's okay if you don't know what it's going to look like because you can trust the one who does know. He's going to walk you through. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be left with some scars. You will. You will. You'll have scars. But he'll use them for his glory. Many lose this battle because they don't resolve in their heart and in their mind that they're going to stand before the battle occurs. Because we see all of these attacks. Yeah, they come from the outside, right? They come from these people that are coming at the Israelites. Yeah, I know that. Okay. Again, but our battle's not against people, it's against spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. So what is the enemy using through these spiritual forces, through people, to attack? Right there. Every one of these attacks is really right here. It's between your ears. It wants to attack your mind. Deception, discouragement, fear and anxiety, frustration. It's all mental. Anybody else see that? See why it's so important then that we guard our hearts and minds? See why it's so important that we filter what comes into our mind and our, through our eyes and our ears, that we protect it, that we allow God to transform us through the renewing of our mind? Yeah, big time important. We're not going to win the battle if we don't start it, the victory right here through Christ. So the attacks on our mind. So really a double attack. Yeah, there's a, a physical attack. I want you to see that. There's physical opposition and mental opposition. So you're going to get both. 
and we need to resist it and defeat it by faith. Because when doubt swells up and continues, it leads to worry. And worry leads to anxiety and depression. And, 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 it, and it can just overtake us. So when this, when this worry and anxiety starts to fill up in us, and that's a normal human reaction to some circumstances, it is, all right? But what we have to do is, is in Christ, we have to realize, hey, I need to put this aside and trust God, which means I need to move this anxiety, this worry, to the, to the back corner and out the back door of my life, right? Because if you don't remove it, it's going to be like an enraged wolf let loose in the house, and pretty soon it's going to have you in the corner if you don't put it in the corner first. We can't let it just go. We have to win here from the start, even before the battle starts. Because Satan hates you. He hates you. He hates you. And he is a master deceiver. He is a liar. And he masquerades as an angel of light. What he comes at you with is not going to look dangerous at first. But it will prove to be dangerous in the end. That's why we got to follow God's word. So, the Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll what? He'll flee from you. But the first part of that is submit yourself to God. It's not just try harder, resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil. It's not, that, that's in your own strength. you got to submit to God first. Then you have the power to resist the devil. Do you see the difference? There's a big difference. Because Satan wants to take everything that God gives you and he wants to take it. Every single thing God gives you, Satan wants to take it. God gives you love in your heart. He wants to change it to bitterness and resentment and anger. God gives you peace. The enemy wants to give you worry and anxiety and depression and fear. God gives you joy. The enemy wants to give you pain. Do you see that? It's so clear. And it's what the enemy was taking to God's people here in a simple task seemingly of rebuilding a temple. So we put on this armor. We carry this sword not just with our hand. We have to carry it in our heart and in our mind, church. We have to commit it so that we live it out or we're going to lose this battle. Problem is we have way too many lethargic Christians, unfortunately, in the world. Casual Christians that are not prepared for the battle. And that's why it's so easy to be defeated when all these attacks come and threaten us. I love all the promises through Psalms, and we don't have time to read them all and talk through them, but we know Psalms 31, 24 says, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalms 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Oh, I love that. Psalm 120, verse 1, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. He's always there, church. He is your refuge. Do you believe it? He is your strong tower. Do you believe it? He is your defender. Do you believe it? He is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. Do you believe it? He is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. Do you believe it? He is Jehovah Nisi. He is your banner. He is your identity. Do you believe it? And do you walk in it? He is the lamb that was slain for the, for the sin of the world. 
but he is also the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is coming back in all power and authority, and he is going to call us home who have surrendered our hearts to Christ. And for those that haven't, it's going to be a day where they again see the wrath and the judgment of a God that they didn't think existed in him anymore. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. He is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He is. He is all sufficient for you. Does he have your heart? Or have you given it to something else? If you've given it to something else, take it back and put your heart and your life right now where it needs to be. Right now. Don't give it to anything or anybody else. This world is going to crush it. The things of this world is going to crush it. It's going to destroy it. Give it back to Jesus. I close with our 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 10 passage. That's this beautiful promise that Paul gave the church at Corinth. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, even our bodies, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Mm. That's a beautiful word. So, even Paul, going through it, baby. Hey, we're crushed, we're perplexed, we're persecuted. Well, we ain't giving up. So, how about you? 21st century application of that passage right there. If you're in Christ, you're going to get knocked down. But just getting knocked down doesn't make you a failure. Choosing to stay down does. So it's time to get up and keep fighting. Satan desires to sift you and I like wheat, and he's going to throw everything that he can our way to discourage us, to deceive us, to threaten us and make us live in fear, anxiety, to frustrate us. And then as we'll see in the rest of this passage, even use people to come directly against us because he wants to stop us. But do you truly know who you are in Christ? And do you truly know who Christ is so you can trust him in the battle? Because if we truly know who we are and who Christ is, then that means every time that you and I look in the mirror, all we're going to see is a winner. All we're going to see is a warrior. Yeah, one with scars from the battle, but one whose promise is that we're more than conquerors. In Christ, do you know when you live that? Our choices here today with this message then, as we face opposition in so many ways that the enemy wants to use to discourage us in our faith and our walk and our comeback to Christ, our choice is that we can either just give in and give up or we can step in and step up. We can use tough times to make us bitter or we can... Uh, allow tough times to make us better, which will we do? 
It's your choice. If we have spirit-filled regeneration in our soul to stand and fight, then and now through his word, we should have a different answer to the question, every single one of us, as to what will it take to make us quit? Because it makes all the difference into whether you're going to finish what you started. Jesus said, those who persevere to the end will be saved. What does that mean? Does that mean this is about works? No. It means that the ones who are truly saved, who truly have repented and have the Spirit of God in them, will be the only ones that finish. So let's get our hearts and our lives right now to have the Spirit of God in us so that we can finish what God starts in our life. Let's bow our head, close our eyes. I want to know first and foremost, if there's somebody here today who's spoken to and be like, Brad, I'm facing something right now in my life. And I'm going to be honest, it's easier to quit than to keep going. And I need you to pray for me that I would have the strength of this passage spoken today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, Brad, I'm, I'm going through something right now. And it would be easier to quit than keep going. Amen. I need prayer. Amen. My hand's up. How many are here today and you would just be honest and you'd say, man, to this point in my life, I've, I've been defeated. And as I'm here today, I, I really, I, I feel empty inside. And I need the hope, the love, the power, and the purpose of Christ to be restored and rejuvenated And I just want you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Is there anybody? Amen. Another song. Amen. God's faithful. He's going to do what he starts in your life. How many or is there anybody here today? I wonder you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You've been deceived up to this point. Maybe you've walked in and out of church stores thinking that was enough. Maybe you've put some money in the offering plate. You thought that was enough. Maybe you served the Lord a few times in the church. That was enough. Maybe your, your great-grandmama went to church and drug you to church when you was little. You thought that was enough. You've been deceived because you've never surrendered your heart and life completely and fully to Jesus. And you need to do that today. Maybe you've been deceived and you just thought to just believing that Jesus was God was enough and believing that he was Lord and raised from the dead, that that was enough. But then when you hear James and it said, you believe that there's one God, great. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. So that we know that there's something else. What is that something else? Yes, we must believe, the Bible says, but what, what, what is it? It's Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, but if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For your heart that you believe in are justified. It's a heart thing, guys. So have you taken your knowledge in your head, knowing that Jesus is God, and have you surrendered your heart to his lordship today? If not, will you do that? I'm going to lead you to a prayer from your heart to God's heart. I want you to do business with God, and I'm going to say like I do every Sunday, it's not the words that save you. This is no magic prayer. I prayed that prayer one time, I'm good. No. Nope. It's only if your heart was right. Did you experience authentic life change through the spirit of the living God in you? At that moment, after that moment, that 
is assurance of salvation. Otherwise, it was just some words. So would you get it right today if maybe that was your past? Get your heart right today. Maybe at the same time you know you received Christ at one point in your life and you were on fire for the Lord and living for him. And and man, it was just, you felt that difference. You felt that change. But lately because of the world and everything we've talked about, discouragement and some different things, deception, maybe you've fallen back and that spark's gone out. And you need to rededicate your life back to Christ today. Would you do that as well? Would you pray that same prayer from your heart to God's heart right now? Doing business with God. Just say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my Savior. To this point in my life, I've been living for myself and the things of this world, and it has separated me from you. And Lord, today, I come in a repentant heart, and I want to change. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, God in the flesh, to die on a cross, that I could be redeemed and restored, renewed, that I could be forgiven through his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. And thank you for raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he was God. And Lord, I want to claim that same victory right now, Lord, in my life. And my commitment to you today is you have all of me. From this day forward, use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you prayed that prayer, no one looking around just at this time, just forget the person around you just for a moment, decision between you and God. If you made a decision right now today to receive Jesus as Lord of your life for the first time or to rededicate your life, I, again, I want you to boldly and unashamed raise your hand. Say, Brad, I need prayer. I made that decision today. I'm coming back to him. Amen. His hands up. And if I don't see him, God does. Church, can we give Jesus a big round of applause for what he's doing for his word? I don't know about you, but I love God's word. It's applicable. It's beautiful. It moves our hearts. And it gives us strength for what we're going to face. So let's take this word, church, and let's grow in the Lord. Let's be sanctified by it. Let's prepare and resolve in our hearts and our minds that we're going to win the battle that's set before us. And we're not going to give in. We're not going to quit. Come back next week. Grab some friends and family. And uh, we're going to continue in this little kind of mini sermon series within it. Because we're going to see next week at the end of chapter 4 how people started making false accusations. And coming against, coming against these people with power, authority, bullying to try to get them to stop what God wants to do in their life. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.